Hello and welcome to another episode of Dawncast. I'm Di Lee. And I'm Kathy Ngo. And tonight we have a great panel here with us uh, with the discussion around COVID app, uh, COVID-19 app. I thought we thought, well, we'll get together a group of people to have a conversation around what is this app about and does it really matter because we download apps all the time. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited about this one because it's a bunch of six cyber security experts. Um, it's like we're all having a very highly intelligent party. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't know much about cyber security. I think that I practice common sense yep. when I download an app and press the terms and conditions without reading it. That's right. <laughs> but here we are. We've got a group of very diverse uh, group of gender, diverse background and geographically as well. Uh, thank you for those who are joining us from interstate and internationally um, to have this discussion. So the first thing is, um, could we first of all ask you going um, from Jackie to just give a short introduction, your name and your background and your uh, specialty. And so we'll go around just like a classroom here because obviously it would take us a long time to kind of introduce you. So smile well, so we'll go to you. So Jackie, we start from you. And then we'll go to Mark and then John, uh, Vanessa, JJ, and then Jens. Sure. I'll kick it off. I'm Jackie Lusto. I've been in cybersecurity since 2001. I've been working in on various different industries, on different technologies. And currently I'm the founder of the Australian Women in Security Network and also working for Cinch Security, which helps small businesses with their cybersecurity. Thank you. Yeah, hi, uh, my name is Mark Smink. I'm the uh, Chief Information Security Officer at JLL um, and been there in the industry, in the IT industry, and uh, for about 20 years and five, six years in security space based in Sydney. John. Um, so I'm John Tamplin. Um, despite my boorish good looks, I've had nearly 40 years in IT, um, <laughs> mostly You're in the young. finance domain um, with Visa, Macquarie, IAG and Pricewaterhouse, which is now PwC. Uh, the last decade or so, I've been consulting for central banks and uh, insurance firms. In the last four years, I've been working for the New South Wales state government. Um, so uh, a bit of diversity there. Yeah. Thank you, John. Vanessa. I'm Vanessa Teig. I'm a cryptographer with an interest in all kinds of things associated with security and privacy, but especially things relating to public things like elections and privacy of open data. Thank you. JJ. Hi, everybody. My name is Jacqueline Jane, known as JJ. It's a lot easier. I'm the security awareness advocate for the APEC region, um, working with Nova 4. And I've been in the tech world, tech and people world for over 20 years, specifically cyber in the last four years, and very much into the education element, that human aspect of cyber. So every topic is of interest. Thank you, Thanks. JJ. Jens, last. Good evening. My name is Jens Lutkans. I'm currently um, Chief Information Security Officer at UDG, United Digital Group in Germany. And um, previously, um, I used to be a, a consultant and penetrations tester. Sorry, that's, you know, that's one of the first thing that would like to ask all Sorry. of you guys, tech guys, um, that some of the terminologies are really interesting. Before we go to the app, penetration tester? Yes, ma'am. Like, <laughs> you know, when we saw that today, we thought, what does that mean? 
Well, it's someone who kind really of juvenile. Um, takes part in red teaming exercises and um, tries to get in, uh, into networks. But um, the difference to a hacker is that we are paid by the one um, who owns the network to test their security. Right. So that's the difference between a, a, a hacker and a penetration. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I'm not normally like So we're like trying this. to I'm penetrate just... the security, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone else on the panel who'd like to, you know, talk about the penetration part of, of technology? Like, is that some of the terms that just, don't you think, a bit quite... Um, like catfishing. Yeah. And fishing. For us, <laughs> for us normal folks, fun. well, mm. you guys are normal too, but like, <laughs> we're like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's a... Uh, glossary. It's uh, again. It is. It's very much in. in it, it's little niche. Little niche. It's niche circles. Everyone knows what's going on. What these terms are. Hadn't really. Hadn't really appreciated uh, the um, what that term actually sounds like to normal from somebody outside of the security space. Exactly. But yeah. <laughs> um, look. So have, look. We're here to talk about the COVID nineteen app. Uh, have any of you downloaded it yet? Yes. 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 We don't yes. have one yet. Ah, there you go. So, can I go? Obviously, um, Jackie, tell us you know why you've downloaded it. Yes, I've downloaded it. Um, pretty much did it on the the second day because I really feel that you know we need to do something in order to. Uh, it's going to help us get back to you know a normal life, um, and if anything's going to be able to to help us get there, then um, you know that's really important to me. Um, yeah. Ma. Yeah, look, I, uh, I again, I was, I think I did it on the Sunday night when it was was released. Um, it was fairly, it was flawless for me. And one, one of the first things, again, I'm a big, I wanted, I, I knew that it was going to have some issues with it. Um, you sort of what, hear what's going on around the world, the Singapore, all the other different locations that have, have tried it. Um, but, but again, like like Jackie, just. We need to we need to support it. Um, we know that the, these things are of value. Um, it's rather it's better that they release something quickly and actually got it out there and started started to get people get some some sort of value out of it. So one of the first things that I did was yeah again did it and then then I hopped in my social media and said look this is my perspective I'm I'm downloading it I really encourage everybody else to just uh, I guess we have a, a role in the security space um people go well maybe I'll ask Mark to see what he see what he thinks of it again understand that understand that again it's not going to be perfect there's going to be lots of noise to try and try and roll out to 17 million people in in Australia or whatever the final the sort of the goal is you're always going to have problems but Push, push through it. The the benefits are there. Um, so yeah, I, I'm a big supporter of it. Hmm. Um, I'm going to go against the flow a little bit here. I think so. Oh. I I didn't download it quickly. Uh, the, the original plan was that we take a little bit of wait and see. Um, didn't want to be on the bleeding edge. Quite happy to to be one of the early adopters, but not quite bleeding edge. Um, um, and so the idea was, I was going to wait until we saw maybe the numbers start to creep up again. Um, but the thing that changed for me was uh, when the government announced that schools were going to be reopening. Now, I've got a teenage daughter. She's now going to be in close proximity to at least 20 children, other, other kids, uh, and by extension, all their families. So that kind of was was the thing that first tipped me over the edge to yeah okay I'll I'll do it. Number two was 
by definition, I'm the IT geek in the house. So if my daughter's going to get something on her phone, I'm going to get it first and and just kind of check <laughs> it out. Yeah, <laughs> a bit of competition. Um, and and this is this whole COVID uh, and the app has really been a bit of a journey for me um, because since installing it and since doing a little bit of research about how it works, what it does and doesn't do, um, and the objective of the government for this. I've actually become a much stronger advocate for it. Um, but the next part of the journey is I'm actually not sure it is going to provide the benefit we want, but but I'll save that for later. Um, yep. Let's get through the past. Vanessa? I downloaded it so that I could decompile it and see what it was really doing. <laughs> uh, I haven't installed it on my phone yet, and I'm reserving judgment about whether to run it or not until I can see the server code so I can check whether they've had it, whether, so I can have a chance to have a look at whether they've done their encryption right and are properly generating the encrypted pings that we all send out as we go. Yeah. Okay. Okay. JJ? Yes, I was um, probably more similar to John, I would say. Um, I already had people asking me, are you going to download it, JJ? And I said, let me have a look. Let me do some research and see. And I did a fair bit of research. I asked some ex-hackers um, to have a look and what do they think? And the interesting response from, there was three I asked and three of them said they're reformed, by the way. Three of them said, Facebook has more than this on you anyway. And do you want to save someone's life? I thought, hmm. Yeah. So I did think about it. And John, like you said, you know, my son was going back to school. He's in year mm. nine this year. And I thought, well, the amount of information out there on me right now is there's a lot if you really want it. And if I can help one person, great. Then I find that it doesn't actually work as predicted on an iPhone because I don't have and don't ever leave my phone unlocked. It's always locked. So they're still waiting for that. So as John mentioned, I don't even know if it's been worth it yet, um, but I certainly will continue with it and, and support others. And also to Vanessa's point, respect anyone who doesn't want to. Yeah. Uh, Jens, you, you guys haven't got it yet. No, I was going to say, wait, there's an app for that, but um, no, certainly <laughs> our government hasn't released one yet. So um, Is there still anywhere waiting, else but... in the world that has a COVID app? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. This in in Singapore, they've Singapore. got a similar one. But Jen, so what what's the reservation in terms of for the German uh, G Germany to release an app, or because it's it's, it's based on an Apple, uh, an Apple and a Google uh, app. So basically, yeah, it's, it's going to be it's going to be an Android and an iOS app. And um, basically, in order to release an app, you need to have one first. Um, we're not there yet because our government first or initially. Um, wanted to go with a decentralized approach, then um, went for a centralized approach, and then doubled down again um, once Apple and Google announced they wouldn't allow um, access to Bluetooth uh, lower energy um, for uh, centralized apps. So now we are back to a decentralized um, approach. It's actually PEPPT, um, which I think stands for Pan-European Privacy Protection Proximity Tracing or something like that. Um, um, that's the approach they're taking right now. They are still, well, developing it as yeah. of now. What's what's the difference? I mean, if anybody in our panel can uh, explain the difference between a centralized app and a decentralized app. 
uh, I, I can probably explain this at least as well, although other explanations are very welcome, but the rough difference is that in a centralised app, it's really the notification that is done centrally. So both apps initially work by sending around Bluetooth messages back and forth. Everybody is pinging them out all the time and everybody is remembering what the, what pings they've received. In the centralised approach, if you test positive for COVID-19, you upload your everything you've received to some central authority, probably the health authority in your country, and it can decrypt the messages that you've received and figure out which people you received them from and then notify those people. In the decentralised apps, the information flow is the other way around. When you test positive for COVID-19, you upload to a public, effectively a public list the collection of messages that you have sent. And then everybody on their own phone is able to look at the public list of pings that have been sent out by infected people and compute on their own phone whether or not they have received any of those pings and therefore been in contact with an infected person. So the crucial difference is that the test for whether or not you've been near an infected person gets done either by the authority in a centralised app and then communicated to you as a second step or gets done in the decentralised solution on your phone by you and then if you want to tell the authority about it, you can. Right. Uh, anyone? Well, basically, the, 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 um, I mean, that's functionally correct, but the, um, the, the major part is um, who, where the data is stored. It's either stored in a central instance and all the logic happens there or the data never leaves your phone um, until you save them. Yeah. And the logic basically happens on your phone locally. Yeah, and there's and there's multiple again. There's 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 other there's various uh, iterations of it. So the way that Singapore did it, uh, yeah, they um, and the way that they looked at it, they obviously they kept the that encrypted packet or that of um, of content of who you were with, um, and then only when they reached out to you using your mobile phone, they said, "Oh, look, here we go. Uh, this is." Um, where you've been, your names come up on the list of people who've been infected. Just do you mind sharing us with this, this information? So then you go, yeah, sure. It uploads it. They then they 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 do the further analysis. So again, it's I think um, in in that regard to the earlier point, it's we we are we do give up a lot more information. It's really the the name and the contact point as minimal information as we can actually get away with is um, I I feel is actually we're it's actually they've sort of hit the reasonable balance um they could they could ask for a lot more there's no location well there's 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 some there's some there's some challenges around that but really on the the intent of it is just who um who you've been with again it's just a, a number or a, an id really um it isn't really a name so none of that's there again it'd be interesting to sort of see how the the more technical um, people can actually, what they can do with the encrypted data, with the encrypted packets, see if they can glean any any other sort of information out of it. Um, if that is the case, if that risk profile changes, then my position is likely to go and change as well. Um, and I, again, encourage as many people to go and break this thing down, poke it, prod it, do it, give it, give it the best that our society of, of um, hackers have actually got. So yeah, 
But at the moment, my position is go ahead and use it. And, and Australia has got um, one of the less intrusive apps out there. Um, so China, Hong Kong, Taiwan, Israel. I hadn't actually realized Germany isn't out there yet. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Um, but certainly the first three I mentioned there um, are really quite intrusive. They, they do track location if you're um, at some level of either infection or risk of infection, the, the app is used to track you. Um, you need to check in. Um, there's been some anecdotal reports about people who failed to check in and an hour later, the police are knocking on their door. Now, the internet's wonderful for creating stories like that, but it's not unimaginable. So I think tying this all together, um, all the information that the app is gathering and, and people have reverse engineered it and poked around inside the source at the moment. And that's a, that's a big caveat, but at the moment, I could care less who's got that. If, if people want to know that I went to the coffee shop and I was surrounded by 20 strangers, knock yourself out. You can f find far more about me on, on Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever. And if you think about the alternative, it's about trying to remember where you have been at any given point as well. I mean, no one has that kind of memory to remember, okay, I was here at this particular point. I was in contact with X number of people. Um, the app is trying to help um, with that. Well, curiously, before I heard about the app, uh, my wife, at my, at my wife's suggestion, I can't take credit for this, we'd actually started a little diary. Every day, you just write down where you've been. We, we yeah. map. And it was so hard. I think I'm pretty disciplined. It was really hard. So I'm pleased to have the app. I think it's interesting. I found out recently that you need to be in the vicinity and as Bluetooth is a, um, a radio wave communication, it doesn't rely on the internet, that those two signals need to be in a handshake, so the technical term of connection, for 15 minutes mm. for there to be any registration. So even getting your coffee, John, you might not even register. If you really think about even 14 minutes and 59 seconds and you walk away and you break that connection, it will not register. No, I'm pretty sure that's not right. I think that's a misconception in what's been communicated. I think the app ah. actually logs quite detailed information, but the government has undertaken not to notify people unless they believe it's been in contact for 15 minutes. See, here we go. This is where the information pattern starts to become very confusing. Mm. So where do, we, where do we go to find out if that's the case or not, Vanessa? Uh, well, if you don't know, that's okay. I mean, I've, I've found it really interesting to think, well, I'm not really in that many places in contact for 15 minutes these days. Yeah, I, I, I think, um, I think around the thing, thing that got me early on is um, just prior to the launch um, of the COVID, of the COVID safe app in, in Australia, there's, there was a lot of, there's a lot of uh, um, research done on and how the, how the Singaporean app was actually decon deconstructed. So I spent a bit of time just, um, just looking through, looking through all of that and, and what, it, exactly what it collected and how it collected it and, and what was the purpose of it. And, and, um, and, and I, again, 
again, you realize how little is actually there. But one thing I did realize immediately was that again, it's a, it's quite simple in what it in what it does. But the the way that this could this could not gain traction um, is if if the messaging if the messaging is isn't clear. Like the, you need to be able to get that message on the the safety factors of this app and what it does. You need to somehow bring it down to a single like a little image a single a single page you can't have a th uh, the 30 second videos you can't have all these big long steps it's got to be so simple you need to get like the brains to go and that's that's the hardest part of making this work is is to have a really very simple thing that is sticky you can stick on a shop and a coffee shop and going if you're here for, for seven minutes you guess what your data is not likely to be be collected well it's likely to be collected but it's not likely to be used um so and how it works when you're in shopping centers so all of those again this is where the smarts comes into it not so much technically but actually getting that message across yeah. um and i was a bit underwhelmed from what i've seen on the on the government website so far they try it but it's still too long too I much time and you've just sort of you, you drift off in and before long you're going hang on what was i trying to say again and it's just make it more concise more simple and so that it, there's stickers or just whatever it is but make it easier and that's that's the that's where i'm hoping they're going to evolve um, i guess we can agree on the fact that you need to be um transparent about how it works what it does um for people to be able to well trust it or make an informed decision at least yeah definitely it's the whole communication aspect um of a message and i, I don't know about you die but i feel as though it's been almost like i mean it's not a compulsory app isn't it it's it but it feels like it's um very much forced upon for very good reasons of course but i think it's just the communication i don't think i don't feel they got it but what does everyone think about how they've communicated it and, and me, i mean so, but, but before you go that but if we're talking about it's a to trace to it's a tracing app or to track sorry not trace to track um I wonder how then Germany do you track or do you don't track at all? Uh, but anyway, going going back to to um, you know what, what people think about, you know, is it an enforceable? Should should it be enforced? What do you mean by do we track at all um, right now? Yeah. Or with the app? With the app right now? Well, well, without the app. Well, so if yeah. you, you don't have the app, how do you track? Do you track at all? You get a diary out, <laughs> like John's diary. No. See, well, the the national um, health um, agencies um, they have the burden to trace back your steps um, if you happen to be infected, and um, they will conduct interviews and whatever to figure out who to inform. But that's actually an interesting point because um, you can actually reverse it. Um, if you go back to John and his coffee shop, um, what do you actually hope to get out of your app um, when you're at the coffee shop. Let's say um, there was another person around that happened to be infected. Um, your app tells you, well, tells you about it. What do you do? I mean, what do you get out of it? <laughs> well, there's the theory and then there's what I, I suspect might be the reality. In And um, I'll, I'll, I'll get into this, but I also want to give a reflection of a, a colleague of mine I was talking to just a couple of days ago, a friend of mine, rather. So in theory, what happens is I get notified. I was in proximity to somebody who has subsequently turned out to be infected. Um, 
I then either quarantine myself or if um, if there's any symptoms already, I go get tested. And, and the idea is to kind of jump on and contain an outbreak before it goes any further. That's the idea. Um, but going to, I think it was Catherine's point about could you enforce this? Well, good luck with that in Australia. Um, the, the friend of mine I was talking to is, is a Qantas A380 pilot. So the, this is a, a, an intelligent, educated, worldly guy. And he hadn't downloaded the app and we were talking about it and wanted to get his, his thoughts. And he said, um, so if I happen to have been in, in the, this awful coffee shop, which clearly is a hotspot, um, and I could be on my way to, to make a flight, um, and an hour before that flight, I get a call saying I was in proximity. I'm supposed to to not take that flight now, and and he was horrified that the um, I suppose by by proxy the government would be telling him that he had to stop his job, and, and this is this is not someone from the backwards. This is a this is a bright guy, um, but he was very focused, very motivated to get back to his normal life, and did not want the government interfering with that. How, how are the chances? Like, um, let's get back to your coffee shop. And um, you had a chance encounter with someone who was waiting in line as well. Um, um, someone there turned on to be infected. You don't know who it was. You don't. You, you can't determine for yourself how close in contact, uh, contact you guys were. So basically, all you get is the information that, um, well, someone you interacted with or not um, was infected. Do you? Is, is, that, is that enough for you to, to, to turn your life around, change it, and just like um, self-isolate? Um, you can't really rely on it. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that um, you're probably infected. You do not know the probability. So um, I'm not trying to discredit the app. I'm just I'm trying to figure out what to get out of it and how people will react if they get notified. Yeah, that's I a mean, really good good point. The opposite isn't true either. You can't. Um, you can't. Um, well, if if your app does not tell you that you have been in contact with someone who happens to be infected, does this mean that you won't probably won't have the virus? Probably, but you can't rely on them either. So. And the um, side, if if I was having a coffee with John, no one else, and we have. A you just dropped out there, JJ. Apologies. Um, right. If am I back? Yes, I think you're back. Yeah. Yes. If I was having a coffee with John face to face, and he was the only person I met with in a two or three week period, and then I got notified that I was in contact with someone who has now been found positive to COVID nineteen, I know it was John. So there's that element too to consider. I wouldn't judge you, of course, John. However, um, there's that <laughs> curse you as well. So it's not about details or data. I know I was in contact with John. So uh, there's that other side as well. Hmm. Jackie. Yeah, I, oh, yeah, Mark. But if, if John was the only person in three three weeks period that you have met, um, you wouldn't need a map for that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Just I'm, really, I'm, I'm keeping quarantined, so to speak. I'm really doing the best I can because of the nature of some people in my family who are at that high risk level. So... Um, yeah, it's to me, the app really doesn't do too much because I'm not out enough <clears throat> for it to even be used. Yeah. But I think Jens's point is is a good one. There, There is no certainty in this. 
no. all we're trying to do is trying to swing the balance to perhaps make our testing a little bit more focused, um, to, to have a better chance, and that's all it is, it's a better chance at, at trapping those outbreaks before they spread. So perhaps I wouldn't quarantine, perhaps I'll just rock on straight down to the nearest medical center and get myself tested. And, and that could reveal that I was infected in three or four days, as opposed to waiting potentially up to, I gather, between 10 to 15 days before it, it might actually show. Um, um, they, they, surrounding proving the odds. Yeah, they, they also talk about um, that you have, we have to download a certain number of, of it for it to work. And my understanding is that we're uh, more than 2 million downloads now in Australia. So what does that mean? Um, Vanessa or Jackie, can you shed a light on that? I believe that it means, I think they said that, um, I read a statistic that 40% um, of Australians need to actually download it for it to be successful. So that means that we've got a, a bit of a long way to go um, in order to get that mass. And I guess some of the restrictions behind, you know, and, and some of the problems with that is that not everyone is digitally savvy. Like we've got a lot of the older generation that don't actually um, have a device. So it will be quite difficult for them to be downloading this. Um, but the other side is that if we don't try to encourage more people to do it, then we will never know if it actually was something that could have helped us during this extraordinary time. So, you know, there's, <laughs> there's yeah. a lot of different um, factors that are contributing to this. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I look at it. Um, I look at it. So I've got three kids, and they're 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 about to go back to back to school, and one of them catches the train to the train to school, and the, this whole school environment is uh, again is is going to be different. There's a lot of spacing. That's all. That's all going to happen. Um, but but my kids need that school environment for the extra the, the extra support, learning support. So they they are super keen to go and have it. I'm looking. At, I was thinking this before. Go again. We we made it. Um, again, my, my wife and I. We don't actually we don't actually see see too many people. We have got we have got what's called. Um, our our um our bubble friends we live in the bubble <laughs> that's it and then and then we only see those people but the, the kids they're going to be on the train and they'll be sitting on the train for 20 minutes to get to the school and then they'll be sitting in the classroom together so so then if if they made a mandatory that again all kids again I had that app then you would know really, really really quickly that maybe you were sitting next to like two seats away from somebody on the train um and then uh, and you got that notification, and then, then at least you're in you're in sort of a, a risk. You could make a risk-based decision whether or not that that child has to work from home for a couple of for another week. And then so you, so you it's all about really being aware, so you can actually make the right decisions um, and just to, to slow this thing down as best as we can. That's so that's where I would like to see it see it occur. Um, again, that that doesn't work for for primary school kids and whatever, but there's an there's a certain age group where I think you can make that work. Um, and and even as you're going back in, into the office space, we're looking at doing like the 50-50 split in the office, and suddenly you're sitting, you maybe sitting sitting with someone two meters away or an extra workstation away, and um, and then you, at least you know that that person has has a, there's been an a, again a case in the office, and you can make that call. So so I just think it's about choice and and um, and be, be a willing willing participant in that and and actually because it's not so much I'm don't necessarily not necessarily in the higher in the higher risk bracket but again it's doing it for everybody else trying mm. to do my bit to slow slow the spread. Although I heard that there was 10 million um, downloads that they were looking for, 
look, I read a few things today that said we were at 5.1 million. So I don't know if that's the case. Yeah, I read that as well. I read that as well, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's quite, because the last time I looked, it was just over 2 million. Yeah. But I thought to myself, what happens with that 10 million? What if the bulk of that occurs in New South Wales and Victoria? I'm in Adelaide or South Australia. I actually want to know what percentage of that 40% is in my state. Um, not that I don't care about others, but 10 million doesn't necessarily reflect across the board. So I would like to know, and I did a lot of searching, I couldn't find anything that said, what does the breakdown look like for the states then? And we should be reporting on that because we're all at different levels at the moment of, um, um, but with the, the virus. So that would be even nice to know. Mm. Vanessa, I mean, what's your perspective? So I really respect the people who are saying that they don't mind that much about the privacy of their face-to-face -face contacts. And I completely understand that. And I think many Australians would agree with you, but I think it's, or would feel the same way as you. But I think it's really important to remember in this conversation that not everybody is as relaxed and safe in this country as we are. And I think for some people, the privacy of their face-to-face -face contacts, either from people who have installed spyware on their phone or from the Australian government or from some other nasty foreign government, is actually a valid concern. Even if the app isn't doing a lot of the normal spyware kind of things, it is gathering a new kind of information that is not otherwise easily available. So if you're a journalist meeting a source face-to-face, -face, if you're a survivor of domestic violence, if you're a pro-democracy activist from a country whose authoritarian government takes an interest in their expatriates, then I think you have a reasonable concern over whether or not you necessarily want to be running Bluetooth and this app in particular when you're at a political meeting or you're visiting your lawyer or you're meeting a source. Couldn't you switch it off in those circumstances? Yeah, you could, absolutely, I agree. And I think, so I think it's not just a binary question of whether you download it yeah. or you don't, don't download it. I think for many people, you would run it on the train, but not run it at home. If you're a journalist, you might, you know, run it when you're at the footy, but not run it when you meet a source. Or uh, there are a lot of decisions that individuals could make that are refined decisions reflecting their own privacy needs. And I feel like we need to communicate carefully what the privacy implications are so that people can make their own choices. And Absolutely. Look, I have not downloaded the app. So I, at the end of this panel conversation, I'm going to walk away and based on what I'm hearing is going to either swing me to one or stay with where I am. So, so, so it's, it's the information that you provided. Because I think at one stage um, when Jackie and Mark was speaking and John and I'm thinking, okay, all right, I haven't downloaded, maybe I will. And, and as I as listening to Jen's and then to, to Vanessa, I'm thinking, oh, no, maybe I won't. So you are a politician. <laughs> so, you know. so Those people are tapping into your phone. Yeah, right? but with, with Bluetooth technology-wise, though, are you saying that you, this, because this is some of the arguments that you hear, that they said, oh, it's only Bluetooth, it's not GPS tracking. Yeah, so we don't understand what, what does Bluetooth that mean? enough. Bluetooth, yeah. GPS. I mean, What's really, the they, they still wave, wave, wavelength, isn't it? <laughs> so so I, I'd suggest the key word there is yet. 
Um, so GPS is the mechanism by which you do location tracking, or sorry, it's one of the methods by which you do location tracking. There, there are a number of others, but that's the way this app would probably work in the future when I suspect we will get a version of the app with location tracking in it. Um, and that's the kind of thing I was, I was hinting at earlier, because we're all very keen to get to the new version of normal, whatever that's going to be. Uh, so that you know, restaurants, beaches, gyms, cinema, theatre, flying and travel, that's the light at the end of the tunnel. And we're all hoping the app is going to get us there. But the only way we're going to get to that is if the government thinks it's in a position where it can, uh, sorry, not the only, the most likely way that we're going to get to that is if the government thinks that it can quickly identify and jump on and contain any outbreaks. And, and if we get to that point, then it becomes kind of safe that we can do all those things because even if we get it we can be identified quickly and the people who might have got it from can be identified quickly but that's not going to happen quickly and that kind of breaks one of the government's implied promises that this is a temporary thing this isn't a three month six month one year thing this app is is with us for a long time now mm -hmm. and if we want to then extend the idea to travel We've already had conversations about the idea of the Tasman bubble, I think it's called. So New Zealand's doing very well. We're doing very well. Hey, why not open up travel between those two? Seems like a no-brainer, right? So then you'd, you'd naturally extend that to other safe countries. Um, well, that could be, believe it or not, South Korea, who seem to have got theirs under control. It could be, oh my God, China got theirs under control. And that's fabulous because then we've rebooted international travel and, and some commerce. But it does introduce a whole bunch of other things there. We have now given up liberties and liberties once gone are very, very, very hard Hot. to get back again. And you might potentially end up with a two tier world, the safe countries and the not so safe. Some of them, will, you know, the, the ones in the safe part will obviously be very happy about that. But I can imagine the criteria and how you manage the criteria for what is a safe and not safe countries is going to be a difficult conversation, particularly with a certain gentleman in the US. Yes. Um, Vanessa, you would uh, jump in before to say something about GPS and Bluetooth. Ah, oh, without disagreeing with John, I'd, but just <laughs> ask the specific technical question, what's the difference? And the difference is GPS is an absolute location. So your phone can figure out exactly what its latitude and longitude is based on the GPS satellites. Whereas Bluetooth is relative proximity. I mean, Bluetooth is just communication with things nearby. But when we talk about Bluetooth location tracking, location tracking only works through Bluetooth if somebody has put a Bluetooth receiver somewhere that they know, like a shopping centre or a train station or something. And if they are receiving or sending Bluetooth messages to and from your phone, then either the app or the uh, Bluetooth receiver, if it can recognise you, can tell exactly where you are. But it's saying, I'm near this particular receiver. It's not saying I'm at latitude and longitude, whatever, which is what GPS is doing. Okay. Jackie? So who, who gets a receiver? Is it like a... So the person that has coronavirus would be a receiver, is that right? Because then the two... Bluetooth thingies are talking to each other? Well, it depends. So what it's supposed to be 
in the nice world in which everybody only uses it as intended is it's supposed to be that two people running the app on their phones are the sender and the receiver. So all they learn is that they were near each other without necessarily learning absolute location. But the problem is, of course, that there are lots of other people who would love to figure out whether you're nearby them uh, using Bluetooth because it's much more precise, especially inside than GPS. And in fact, long before we decided to use this for COVID tracing, Google and other advertising agencies thought this would be a wonderful way of figuring out you know, who was wandering through their shopping centre and who was looking at what ads while they were walking past what shop and so forth. So there's a lot of banal advertising-based location tracking that happens or could happen through Bluetooth if more people turned it on. That sounds really well, that's dodgy. The reason, that's basically the reason why Google and Apple are limiting um, access to that um, interface. Yeah, well, Apple is. <laughs> I don't know whether Google is or not. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so there are good reasons that this was a restricted thing. Right. Um, Jackie and Mark, what's your perspective on that, the GPS, the Bluetooth? Uh, oh, so Jackie? No? Okay, well, look, my, yeah, my, my perspective, I think, though, uh, I would not be comfortable with GPS. Uh, I, I, again, I know it's more and more accurate. Again, I think, though, for me, the, my, my tolerance levels would, would just be, that would nudge it over the other side if suddenly the government tracked everything where um, everything everybody were where I was. Now, again, I'm, maybe I'm just that sort of that person that I do turn it off when it, when it adds value to me also when it, I turn it on when it adds value and turn it off when it doesn't. Um, so again, because there are some 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 scenarios when it does actually work. Um, I guess I guess again I can I can do that reasonably reasonably easy. I would never expect my my mum to be able to go and do that and turn it off and on. Um, so there's a, there's work that has to be done there on on on, on again sending that message. And the, the challenge that they're going to have is we've got a we've got got this this consistent app is expected across a huge range of Android platforms. I like Apple devices. How are you going to get that consistency of your of experience and that to to give that assurity that this this app in there and what it does is actually going to be consistent and actually add some value? And I, I think that that's a real that's a real struggle. I was looking at some comments today when looking at the um, at the at the feedback from the re review. I'm, I'm an iOS user and looked at it and looking at which what were the complaints when somebody gave it as a one star. And one of the one was one of the ones I said to my wife before I said, he, he's, this is a classic okay she goes oh my phone's not my phone's not good and my phone's my, my I don't use my phone much so what I did I installed it on my on my iPad I go well uh, yeah but you're not going to walk around with your iPad, iPad and it's not going to add in not going to add any value in the game don't like this app one star I'm going well you can, it's a bit of a bit of a tough sell so but hey this is a, the type of scenario that you're going to have to deal with and suddenly they can turn that bad experience and talk to their network and the government needs to do a really good job of pitching this well and giving some some assurances and and their past past records haven't been great that they've not they've really had not had a grasp of of technology to be able to go and sell it effectively absolutely. so that's the problem that they face absolutely jackie interesting oh, sorry so jj go on no no jackie go Oh, okay. Um, similar to Mark, if they were to do it by geolocation, I would be changing my my opinion on the whole thing. 
Um, and similar to Mark, whenever it comes to an app, like all, all apps, all software, unfortunately, has, you know, flaws in it. Um, and what I do every time I look at an app or I use an app, um, I always look at the, the settings. What are they actually using? Are they trying to access my, my photos or my microphone when it really doesn't need to? Um, and really restricting it down to what the bare minimums of what it actually needs to use in order for that, that application to function. Um, and in this particular application, it, you know, we've, I've, I've looked at the settings and, you know, that it, from the, what we can actually turn on and off, um, it seems um, pretty reasonable. It's not trying to access, you know, my geolocation or anything like that. Um, yes, it's, it's wanting access to my Bluetooth, um, but, you know, um, out of the two, Bluetooth, I think, for this particular function um, is, is okay. JJ? Yeah, I was just um, going to say part of my decision-making process of do I install it or not really did come down to that Bluetooth on what Vanessa was saying. Anyone really in that, air, that vicinity of me, should they want to target me, could quite easily get access to everything in my phone and how would I feel about that? And then I thought, well, at this point, I'm wearing my Bluetooth headset, you know, looking like a real geek as I walk around the shops because I don't want to be touching my phone. I can just say answer and look like one of those weird people talking to the air. And to me, that was like, okay, well, if my Bluetooth headset will be on, then I'll go with it. But there is still that concern of if I was going to a cyber event, there is no way no way I would no. allow that app to be on because as we know if you those in the know will check settings those in the know will go and have a look those who's who are aware of privacy settings and what have they got access to and that apps automatically turn everything on and you've got to go in and turn it off we know that and to Mark's point we need to communicate that in a clear easy to understand language to the general population so that they know how to actually check my settings. Because the government says, check your settings. The and majority how? of people say, what are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, that's what we need to really look at. Um, so, Jen, listening to uh, our Australian, you know, counterparts here that, that with the app, what we're discussing, what's your, uh, what's your feeling with what do you, do you think where the where Germany will be heading because I believe that um, Britain uh, apparently by mid-May the, the UK government is announced it's uh, going to have its own contact tracing app and it's undergoing testing at the moment and will be likely to be available mid-May so what's your view um, from from Germany's perspective well we're gonna have an app it's going to be um, uh, following a decentralized approach. So basically, um, all those Bluetooth connections you make are going to remain on your phone. And your phone is going to make a determination if you came into contact with anybody um, who, well, checked out um, or turned out to be infected. Um, it's not going to be mandatory. Um, you can install it if you want. And um, yeah, so we, they are trying to, to um, take a um, privacy, privacy-focused ap approach on that. Um, I think Great Britain um, is actually an interesting case because, as you said, they have their own app. And 
they are not following a decentralized approach. Basically, they are uploading um, all your contacts to a central instance. And um, naturally, um, Apple, um, for example, is restricting access to uh, their Bluetooth interface on iOS devices. So uh, I think JJ mentioned earlier that your app isn't working on iOS yet, once your phone is locked. Um, they would focus, uh, they would um, experience the same technical difficulties, but figured out a actually quite a clever uh, way around it. Um, to, to, well, simplify a lot here, but basically what happens is um, it doesn't work correctly on iOS. So you cannot, uh, your iOS device um, for, with the Great Britain app um, cannot um, discover other devices around and record those contacts, I guess. But um, they are using Android devices to discover iOS devices, which then, um, given that everything is collected in a central instance, um, gets well bunched, uh, well bunched together again. So um, that's where they, they, they build a complete picture. Um, it's, I guess it's, well, we will have to see how, how long Apple is going to allow this <laughs> to go on like that. Because they, they were using quite a lot of clever workarounds to, um, to, to, to make it happen the way um, they're doing it right now. It's, um, it's worth pointing out that in Australia, there are quite a few frustrated Bluetooth experts who have been trying to tell the Australian government how to fix some of the Bluetooth bugs in our app that have just not been fixed. So some of these clever things that the UK has done are potentially doable here. Uh, the DTO just hasn't bothered to do them. So which countries, which countries kind of uh, doing kind of well in terms of with the uh, COVID app, uh, you know, if you can say do it well, like, you know, have, have come up with a good solution? I mean, Singapore is always used as a prime example for, well, they, they, they did a good job in general. Um, but only they, uh, even they uh, only had like a 20% adoption rate on their app, as far as I know. So um, I guess it's fair to say that uh, we're quite limited into what we can do. Basically, the only effective tool we have in our, um, at our disposal is to uh, isolate our quarantine, which is like, it comes from the medieval times, <laughs> basically. But we haven't really discovered anything better yet. Or we, we don't have anything that works more effective than that. And I don't think uh, a tracing app is going to be the solution, um, but I feel like it could be part of, of the solution if it helps us to determine who needs to self-isolate, who needs to be tested more effectively. Um, so I don't think it's going to depend too much on, on, on the adoption of the app. or uh, Not everything can be solved in an app, but it can be quite helpful to maybe have it. Or it can give you information to make a risk-based um, determination on um, how to proceed. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I think it's. I think it's again. You just if, if you play some of these things out, and you again. So sorry for sorry, JJ, for stealing some of your thunder there. But like, if you if you add some um, some incentive to get people to use it. So I don't. Know, do you want to go to a cafe, right? Do you want to sit with ten people in a cafe? Make sure you're all turning it on. Um, and turn like, turn it off when you get home. But if you want to go to the bar, turn it on. You want to go to a cinema, turn it on. So again, they're they're, they're those sort of they're those sort of, sort of places. So we don't really need to know 
know where you were, but again, but when you are, if you want to do stuff with a crowd, then 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 these are some of the pre, these are some of the prerequisites. Now we're not we're, things are things are changing. Maybe this is part of the new new normal. It's like where there's no many, there's not as many hugs anymore. There's there's yes. not as much handshaking going on. No Maybe we're going to go down to more more Bluetooth thing <laughs> when we need it. <laughs> Who knows where this is going to go? But yeah, again, there's some, there's some. I guess we can again if this returns us to normal or to some sort of normal. Um, let's let's be practical about it. I, I don't think mandating it for everybody and and forcing it down. That's not our society. It's not not going to work. But make it make it there for somebody else. So make make sure that there's some some incentive for them to go ahead and do it and and be and maintain that transparency. Yeah, I I think we just need to sort of continue to sort of evolve that marketing. And to Vanessa's point, make sure those vulnerable people in those. Um situations are protected um, and we find alternative ways to support them because I hadn't really thought about that element so thank you for bringing that to the table Vanessa. Yeah. 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 Look I think Very we good. can continue on because it's gone to about an hour now <laughs> I'm thinking I could ask you more questions but um, but I think uh, thank you so much uh, we would probably continue on this conversation because I'm thinking to myself, as you guys were saying, I'm thinking, well, another solution would be to find vaccine, to get the, to the vaccine as quickly as possible, to get to some medication as quickly as possible. Uh, and that way, you know, um, we can take, you know, like, uh, you know, medication so that way we can go out and all that stuff. But um, look, I think we need doctors for that panel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Try getting six doctors. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much for your time, uh, for providing us with your very, very valuable time and of offering us your insights and perspective. Um, we will have your details on the website, uh, on the podcast that we'll share. And um, we've got your details. If there's anything that anybody would like to say, you know, can, can I go through again the six and uh, any last advice, any last words from each and each one of you? That'd be great. Going from Jen, going back up, Jen, uh, JJ, Vanessa, John, Mark, and Jackie. Well, thank you very much for having me. Um, and uh, stay safe and healthy. <laughs> um, thank you very much. It's been an honour to be on the panel with such wonderful people. And the best thing to do is if you're in a position to download it, download it. And to Mark's point, if you're out in a group, turn it on. Vanessa? I'd be a lot more comfortable with this if Australia followed Germany in a decentralised solution. Since they're probably not going to, I think the important thing is to remember that different people have different privacy needs and each person needs full, accurate information to make up their own mind. Yeah, um, I'm not convinced it's going to get us to where we really need to be but it is a step in the right direction. So I would be encouraging people to, to load it. Uh, and thank you for inviting me to join the panel. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'd like to say uh, thank you as well. It's been a, been a really informative uh, panel. Uh, and so again, it's always good to sort of see everyone's perspectives. Look, I, um, at this in this current state, I'm, I'm keen and I am supporting it, um, but I am really concerned that they're going to going to take these liberties and go too far. And I also want to make sure that there's a there's an exit plan from here as here as well. So when when we do get that vaccine, I really want to make sure that um, that any of this, this requirements, this data, that all gets roll back so for here and now i can see it but when this is over wind it back
Jackie? I was going to say exactly the same point. <laughs> I mean, what I'm wanting to get out of this, like when we get X of this, I'd love to see, yeah, make sure that the data are being deleted. Um, they're not going to use it for what they, you know, that that was meant to be there for. Um, and also I wanted to also say, yeah, Vanessa, your point about that whole risk face thing is, is spot on. Uh, there are people out there that, you know, they're vulnerable and we definitely don't want um, them to be put at risk. Um, but um, ultimately, you know, we everyone has to make their own decision on this. Um, but um, if we don't try, uh, we'll never know as well. So, thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thanks for joining Dawncast, <coughs> and that's our episode, a special episode in COVID app, uh, COVID nineteen app uh, discussion con- conversation with a wonderful panel of uh, you know cybersecurity and air technical experts sharing with us uh, their insights and perspectives. So. Um, see you in the next episode. I'm uh, Dai Lee. And I'm Kathy Ngo. Make sure you subscribe to our channel. Click the link below and uh, yeah. Like, like, like the video. Like the video. And thank you. Thanks for joining. Bye. Bye now. <laughs>